We're going to connect with last week and draw together what I've been preaching about for over two months now. And yeah, what have I been preaching about for over two months? Come on. World changers. Oh my goodness, somebody's actually been listening. That makes me feel really good. Yes. Who's a world changer? Oh, it's about 50% of you. That's, that's really good because about 10 weeks ago, well, I'm not sure anybody. Listen, we are all world changers. You may not realize it yet, but you are a world changer. How many world changers we got here? Okay, we're getting there. Now, we, we change the world by starting with ourselves. The hardest thing to change in the world is yourself, actually. If you can change that, you've got a great example to say to other people, hey, God changed me. He can change you too. God is in the business of changing lives. He changes our lives for the better. He changes our lives for his eternal purposes and good. And last week we looked at how he changes our lives in terms of this thing called the kingdom of God. So when we come to know God through Jesus, we are called to be part of his kingdom and to live as part of his kingdom. Now, I gave you some definition last week of what that is. I'm going to give you another one in a minute, but what was last week's definition? Can anyone remember how we can understand this phrase, the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom? Oh, wow, you were doing very well from last week. Well done, that's excellent. The kingdom of God is an atmosphere an attitude, and an action. Why don't you just practice saying that to the person next to you? Say, hey, wake up. The kingdom of God is an attitude, an atmosphere, and an action. Okay. Well, what atmosphere, what attitude, and what action? I've got another phrase for you to help you understand the kingdom of God. Now, This one is three words, like the last three, but different. And they don't all start with the same letter, unfortunately. Two of them do. Um, And these three words really tell us what attitude, what atmosphere, what atmosphere, what attitude, what action. And that word is, well, that phrase is heaven here now. Please turn to the person next to you and say, heaven here now. So the kingdom of God is an atmosphere, an attitude, and an action, and it's heaven here now. Now, it's a very interesting thing if you go around and ask people, what do you think heaven is or heaven is like? You get various answers ranging from chocolate with no calories through to children with on and off switches. I promise you in heaven, all of that will be true. Children will come with an off button and chocolate will have no calories. So you can have as many children and as much peace as you like and as much chocolate as you like. Anybody want to go to heaven? Anybody want heaven to come here now? Anybody like chocolate without calories now and an on-off button on their kids right now? I think if we went down and preached this message in the children's work, we might get a few takers with the leaders down there. Heaven is a different way of living. 
If you want to know what that looks like, just stick your head out of your front door in the morning or poke your head out the window of your car, look at what everybody else is doing and then do the opposite. And that's probably get you somewhere near what it's like to live heaven's way. It is so different to what we would call human nature. It is very, very different. I'll tell you how different it is. Let me bring this down to earth in Newcastle. This is how to live heaven's way here now. Heaven here now. This is how to live the kingdom of God. One of the persons who used to be in this church, if I say too much, I'll give away who he is, and I didn't want to give away his identity. He was driving in a very rough area of Newcastle, and somebody threw a large rock or stone onto the windscreen of his car and smashed it. Some lads in the street. See, that's what happens in this world. Bad stuff. Have you ever noticed that? The world has bad stuff happening. Now, I know you've never had any bad stuff happen to you or in your presence, but I promise you it does happen out there if you read the newspapers. And this rock crashed into his windscreen, smashed the whole windscreen. What would you do? What would you do at that point? The lads are there on the street laughing. There's probably a tire iron in the car somewhere. What would you do? This is what he did. It's late at night. It's dark. It's a slightly unsafe feeling area of Newcastle. So we're talking about Jesmond here or somewhere like that. And he leaps out of the car, looks at these lads and says, Praise the Lord! Well, that's a different response, isn't it? I don't think they knew what to make of that. See, when heaven is here with you now, you can do that kind of thing. Because not many other people would do that. I know some of you are thinking, I won't feel like doing that either. That's the challenge of living with Jesus. Heaven here now. But that's what we would do in heaven. Not that anybody's going to throw a rock through the window of your car in heaven. But if they did, that's what you would do in heaven. You would jump out and say, praise the Lord. Because God is here to help me fix the windscreen. And he'll fix your life too for throwing the rock in the first place. Amen. So, we've looked at this incredible atmosphere, attitude, action, kingdom, heaven, here, now. We said last week that when we live God's way, it's like we're ambassadors. We've come from another country and we're living with the culture and the values and the actions of our country. We've brought it to this country to live here in a different way and to demonstrate that to everybody else. We said that we had to seek that kingdom first and we said first, Seeking first the kingdom is like having a girlfriend. There are no seconds. Just the one. Otherwise, you get into lots of trouble. Now, this week, having looked back uh, at the beginning of the year to 2018 and, and forgetting about our past, and we talked about that as well, we can forget certain things from our past so that we can go into the future unhindered, unweighed down by stuff that really hangs on to us and drags us down. So last week we looked about our past and our present. This week we're going to look at our future. This week we're going to take us 
into the future. Now, when I grew up as a kid, this will tell you how long ago it was, and if you remember this, you can tell you how long ago you go back with me. Um, there was a program called This Is Your Life. Did they ever repeat that in years to come? Uh, and they've probably done it a few times over. Uh, but you, you would, the, the, the host there was a, an Irish guy called Eamon Andrews, and he had this big red book, and they would trick somebody into going to London to the TV studios, and they would suddenly spring on them and say, you thought you were coming to a dance, you thought you were coming to a birthday party, you thought you were coming to a prize-giving, but tonight, George Best, this is your life. Uh, uh, he remembers the music, that's right. Now, I wonder what we would do if we had this will be your life. I wonder if it would change anything for us. If Eamon Andrews or the host could get us on the stage there and say, not this was your life up till now, but this is how your life is going to pan out from here on in. Because that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do a little bit of this will be your life. Now, I gather there was a movie a few years ago. I never saw it, but I read the write-up. It was called Sliding Doors. Did anybody ever see it? Was it Gwyneth Paltrow was in it? And apparently, it, it's what happens which way you go one way or the other. Um, and there's a, a very famous Christmas movie that everybody likes. Do you know, it came out as the number one Christmas movie this year. And it's, it's A Wonderful Life. It's the same sort of thing that this is how your life is. This is how your life could be. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. It's A Wonderful Life. How your life is, how your life could be. And to do that, we're going to uh, remember the verse we did last week from the Bible, and then we're going to look at some more verses to help us understand how we can really get a hold of heaven here now and how that can transform our futures from here on in. So, first verse that we looked at last week was this. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, how do I do that? How do I actually seek God's kingdom? How do I actually get a hold of heaven here now for me? Just before those verses, Jesus says some more things. Here's, we're going to read a little bit earlier. He says this in verse 19 of the same chapter. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning, speak to us through the powerful words Jesus spoke. Thank you for your Bible that's written them down, recorded them for us. We pray as we read these words, as we consider what Jesus said, they will come alive to us now by your Spirit. You will speak to our hearts 
Something will burn inside us that we know is God speaking to us and that we know this is for us today. Lord, let that kingdom of heaven come here to us now. Amen. Now, there are three words here that really help us understand how to get into or access that heaven here now experience. The first one is store, the second one is see, and the third one is serve. Isn't it great when the Greek words of the New Testament also start with the same word in English? It was very considerate of Jesus to work it all out that one day we'd have to do this in English. So here we go, store, see, and serve. The first one is store. If we believe in heaven, if we believe in Jesus as the one who died on the cross that can forgive our sins and give us this brand new life so that we can have heaven here now, if we really believe in that, we'll invest in it. We will invest in heaven and we will invest in heaven here now if we really believe it. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy called Ron Wayne. He's not sort of up there with the great famous people in history. But Ron Wayne was helping a couple of his mates. And what he did was he took a pen and paper and he did a nice cartoon and a doodle for a logo for a company. And he joined these two guys to create a company. And he put the princely sum of $800 into that new company. Well, after a while, he got a bit bored and fed up with it. So he asked for his $800 back and he... He sold his stake in the company. Uh-uh, bad idea. That company, or the other two guys that he worked with, one of them was a guy called Steve Jobs. That company today is called Apple Computers. He could have been worth $80 billion today, but he pulled out his investment for the sake of $800. Can you imagine that? That must be one of the all-time worst investment pullouts there's ever been in the history of finance. His name was Ron Wayne. He doodled the first logo for the Apple computer company. And all he's worth today is $800 still. He could have been worth so much more. See, when we believe in something, we invest in it and we keep it there. Now, I wonder if you've heard of these two guys, Stuart Sutcliffe and Pete Best. Stuart and Pete were a couple of musicians, and they were hanging around in Germany. They, got, they fell in with some other musicians, and they played with them. Stuart, um, he played the bass guitar, and Pete, bass, Pete Best was the drummer. And the other musicians that were hanging around, we said, well, we, we, we're, we're done sort of playing the German scene. We're going back to England now to do some more music, and do you want to come with us? And Pete said, yeah, I'll come for a bit. And uh, then Stuart said, no, no, I'm staying here in Germany. I like it better here. And I don't know, all the upheaval, it's too much trouble, da, 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 all the excuses. So anyway, Pete came back with them. And then Pete played with them for a while. And he thought, no, nah, this isn't my gig. This isn't my scene at all. And he went off and played drums somewhere else. So another guy came in to take his place. The guy that came in to take his place on the drums was called Richard Starr. But didn't think Richard was very catchy, so he changed his name to Ringo Starr. And the other guys who were playing with were called John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison. Those are the original Beatles. The Beatles could have been like six of them. But two got stepped on somewhere in the process. 
We've only got four. How about that? Stuart Sutcliffe could have been a name up there with Lennon, McCartney and Sutcliffe. Doesn't quite have the same ring about it, does it? Star and best. They could have invested their time and their talents into the Beatles, but they didn't think it was worth it at the time. What a loss. Now, how about this one? In 1919, there was a, an American guy called Asa Candler, and he was doing well in a number of different business enterprises, in real estate and various things like that. And he had several children, and they, they grew up a wealthy family. And being a good dad, he wanted to bless his kids. So in order to give his kids a real good Christmas present or birthday present or something, he decided he would sell one of his companies and give the shares to his children. So he did. He sold one of the, the business ventures he was in, and he gave the shares to his kids. Well, the kids were, what do we do with this? You know, we want to play on the Xbox or go out with our mates down the big market or something like that. You know, what do we want shares for? They're bits of paper. So they hung on to these for a while, and then a businessman you will never have heard of, I guarantee, uh, uh, heard about this, and he came along and made them an offer. His name is Ernest Woodruff. Can you imagine his name up there with the greats? Ernest Woodruff, John Kennedy, Pele, Ernest Woodruff. Didn't quite connect, does it? But Ernest Woodruff got together a group of businessmen and said, I, I think this is a good investment. So he bought all the shares of all the kids, and they happily sold them. The company he bought was called Coca-Cola. Can you imagine what that's worth today? Can you imagine what those shares would be worth today? But dear old Ernest Woodruff, he spotted a winner. And he was prepared to invest everything he could. And when he didn't have enough, he got all his mates to go in with him. He realized there was something about this product that would one day be a world winner. And it is, isn't it? So Ernest Woodruff... Stuart Sutcliffe, Pete Best, Ron Wayne, all stories of what we invest in and store up for ourselves. Now, looking back on that, you think, oh, if only, if only I didn't do that. Do you know, your, your life can hinge on a moment. Did you know that? Just a small moment in time, just one small decision can be the the very decision that changed the course of your life. There was a woman, she, she did this thing every week. She had a little ritual every week. She would go to the post office in Ireland and she would pull out one of those lottery cards and she always did the same numbers every week. Week after week. She got there one week and she pulled the card out and she was hungry. So she put the card back and she bought a bar of chocolate instead. And guess what happened? The numbers came up that week. Now, I'm not saying you should do the lottery. Of course not. Just make sure you give a good gift to the church if you do. Anyway, no, I'm only joking. Um, but seriously, just, just that one week she decided, I won't do what I normally do. I won't make the same decision. And look what happened to her life. Actually, she was very philosophical about it, which I was impressed by. She said, well, you know, I'm, I'm still alive, I'm happy, I've got my health, I've got my family. So I, I, I actually respect her. In that, in that case, I respect her response because she wasn't really looking for the material gain that would give her. But the point I'm making from that is a small decision in life can make a huge difference. One night I decided to go and visit a church. It changed my life. 
I wasn't going to go. I almost didn't go. And my life would have been vastly different just from that one decision taking place, one moment, about five o'clock on a Sunday night one night. I'll go catch the bus and go to church. And everything in me said, don't go. But I went anyway, and that was the night I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It was the 27th of February, 1973. A long time ago. And that night I heard the message that you can give your life to Jesus, that you can experience heaven here now. I did. And it nearly didn't happen because I didn't want to find the bus fare and I didn't want to go and I didn't want to put my shoes on. I couldn't be bothered to go out. But that moment was when my life turned on that. And these are important things. When we believe in something, we will invest in it. We will, at that key moment, decide in favor of that important thing. Unlike poor old Pete Best, who never became a Beatle, or whoever it was, Ron, what's his name again? Ron Wayne, that was his name. Ron Wayne, who's just got 800 pounds in his back pocket after all those years. If I believe in Jesus and his kingdom, I will invest everything I have in it now. Because nothing, nothing, nothing on earth gives a bigger or better return. We do a little test with um, children sometimes at school just to, to test their, their, what's inside them, their emotional intelligence, if you like. And what we do is, we, when I was teaching, we would line them up at the front of the class and we'd give them all a marshmallow. We'd say, you can eat this now or I'm going to leave the room and five minutes later when I come back, I'll give you a second one if you've still got the first one. If you hang on to the first one, I'll double it and give you a second one. You would be amazed at what happens to the children in that moment. The pressure and the tension that goes on inside them. Do I eat it now? Will he really give me a second one? Do I trust him that when he comes back, I'll, you know, is, this some, is this some sort of con? I mean, all the stuff that goes through those little minds. And you tend to find, well, half of them just stuff the marshmallow in their mouth straight away. The other half wait. And you come back and you do give them one. In fact, if you're feeling generous, you give them two more. And then their friends are looking envious. Oh, I could have had all of that. If only I'd waited 10 minutes. You know, they did big tests on this in schools. And they followed those children through life. And they found that the ones that waited for the marshmallow to, to, to be doubled or tripled, they are also the ones that did best in life in all kinds of ways, in their careers, in their marriages, in their families. It's called putting off gratification. It's called waiting to get your reward. Now, that's how heaven works. Heaven works by the good that you do here for Jesus' cause and kingdom. The reward is stashed up in heaven for you. Now, some of that reward comes back to you now, actually. And some of it waits for you for a future. Which one would we be? Would we eat the marshmallow? Or would we wait? Because the reward is that much greater if we can hang on in there and wait and be patient with God. Jesus says that the, the reward he, he gives is not stored in any bank. That seems very secure, doesn't it? But I can remember a few years ago people queuing up outside Northern Rock to get their money out. Can you remember that? Queues in the street. I can remember people I know actually say, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to the bank today to get my money out. Suddenly it didn't seem so secure. 
That was a really telling time for people with Northern Rock. There are other things we can invest in that no one can steal from you. Here's one. All of you at school, did you know nobody can steal your education from you? Once you've had that lesson, it's yours. Nobody can take it away. So look after and value your school life. It's something no one can steal from you. It can only grow in you and do better. And even better than that is your spiritual life. If you give your life to Jesus and invest in his things here and now, the reward of that can never be stolen or taken away from you. Banks can crash. Building societies can go down. Economies can change. It's going to be an interesting week, isn't it, with the vote in Parliament next week? Dear me. Nevertheless, no one can take from you the reward that God gives if we're prepared to invest in him like Ernest Woodruff did with the Coca-Cola company. And Ron Wayne didn't with Apple computers. There's a story where Jesus has his friends uh, around and at tea time, the two sisters are getting really f uh, different ways. Uh, the one sister, Martha, is getting really upset and fraught because her sister Mary isn't helping her. I think that's a fairly standard thing through families and through the centuries. And Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's listening to his teaching and, she's getting and her sister's getting really upset. You know, Lord, don't you care? My sister's not helping me. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion which shall not be taken away from her. Every time something of the message of Jesus goes into our lives that can never be taken away from you. It's yours, it's safe, and it's in you growing as an investment, more precious than Apple or the Coca-Cola company. If you want to get heaven here now into your life, the first thing is to invest in it, to store it up, to do those things and to plug into those things that result in heaven coming into your life now, and you'll keep it. You'll keep it. The second thing is C. First one was store, the second thing is C. What we fix our eyes on is what will go into us. Now, something else that happened back in the 1970s was an incredible invention called the home computer. Does anybody go back that far to remember Clive Sinclair? and those rubbery keys that we used to have, and you used to take hours to type in the program. Why, things have moved on, haven't they? And we thought that was so the edge of technology. Now, we used to have to program the computers ourselves in those days. It didn't come on a sort of a, over the internet or on a disc or anything like that. The disc and cassette, cassette tapes were the first thing, but before that, you had to actually manually program the thing in yourself. And this is what we learned. The first rule of, compute, uh, of computing is gigo. Garbage in, garbage out. If you type a load of rubbish in, a load of rubbish comes out. Do you know, people work on the same rule as computers. If you put a load of garbage in, guess what comes out? Now, you see, there is all this stuff out there that says, television doesn't affect you. That cannot be true. Because people spend millions every day advertising on TV. If it didn't work, they wouldn't do it. So it must affect you because people are investing huge amounts of money into the advertising side of TV. What we see, what we look at, what we take in through our eyes goes into us, Jesus says. It's like a 
gateway or a window into our lives. And it affects us. What we look at is what we become. Now, you can learn that very easily. On a motorcycle, for example, where you look is where you go. I once took a guy to buy a motorcycle, and he'd never bought a motor he'd never ridden a motorcycle in his life. Looking back, it was a bad idea. We get to the shop, he's got no idea how to ride this thing, and I had to ride home with him on a motorcycle that he'd never, ever tried before in his life. And he had the awful habit of looking one way and going the next. The worst point was when we got to a corner, he couldn't turn it in time, he went up on the path and rode along the path and terrified a woman with her pram and a baby in a pram on the path. It was like one of these sort of You've Been Framed videos. She's running with a baby to get out of his way. He's wobbling around everywhere. Why don't you look where you're going? Listen, where you look is where you go. What you see is what goes into you. And like computers, we need to be careful what we look at. Jesus says, if you're looking at stuff that is light, by that he means spiritual light, stuff that's from God, if, if you look at that, it will go into you and it will change you on the inside. And your inside will be like the light that goes into you. Good program in, good program out. Garbage in, garbage out. He said, if you look at other stuff that isn't godly and it isn't from this heaven here now experience, it will go into you and it will have a corresponding result. That's the opposite way. It will be darkness to you. It will take you away from God. It will make your life go in the wrong direction. Which way is it going to go? Am I going to fix my eyes on the right thing, the godly thing, or not? One of the things you notice with Jesus here, there's no semi-dark categories. It's either light or it's dark. There's sort of nothing in between. So, it's what we store up for ourselves, we're invested. It's what we see, what we look at. And finally, it's what we serve. I was um, working with a group of students or pupils in a school one day, and one of them just in randomly asked me this question about heaven. So we got talking about heaven, and I said to him, well, what do you imagine heaven is like? Oh, so he said, heaven would be really good. He said, it would be, um, well, you wouldn't have to go to work for a start, and you'd, you know, every day would be like a holiday, and you'd have um, anything you wanted, and you have lots of servants to wait on you. And I thought, hang on a minute, who are the servants? Because if I go to heaven, I don't want to be your servant, you know, and, you know, sort of, who are the servants? I don't know. Maybe they're the people that go downstairs. Maybe God sends them back up as our servants. That, that's what hell really is. You have to serve all of us, you know, because, uh, because we're the good guys. And we, uh, you're thinking, well, one of the good guys, do you? Okay. Serving is an interesting concept. Most people would probably prefer to be served than to serve in some ways. The idea of, of serving something isn't always that popular. Um, in my father's day, if you were a servant, uh, you were sort of at the bottom of the, the ladder in terms of career development. Here's a strange concept for the human race. Did you know you've got to serve somebody? Now, if I say that, most people say, well, I don't want to serve anybody. I, I want to be free. I want to be me. Do you know what? You end up serving something in life. 
either a, a want or a habit or a thought or a, a hurt or a pain. Something will get into our lives and we'll end up serving it. You can't not serve. That's the bottom line. All you can do is choose what you serve or who you serve. So what am I going to serve? That's the choice because you've got to serve something. There's a story that's told about Abraham Lincoln, and I don't know if it's true or not. It sounds too good to be true, so I'm slightly sceptical. But this story has been assigned to Abraham Lincoln anyway. And you know Abraham Lincoln was the President of the United States, and he was the one that really wrestled with this whole thing about slavery in the southern states, and they went through a civil war, and he led America through all of that time in order to abolish slavery uh, uh, in, in those states that were operating like that. And... This is the story that's told about him. It says that one day he went to a slave auction because until he got it abolished, slavery was there. And there were auctions in America where slaves were lined up on a stage. You could buy one. And in order to free somebody, he thought he would at least buy, he had some money in his pocket, I will buy a slave today and get somebody free. So he was really appalled at what he saw. And he saw just a particular person there on the auction block and the bidding began, and uh, he thought, I'm going to buy that person. They look so unhappy, so wretched, so miserable. I'm going to buy this woman slave here. And no matter what, what it costs me, so the bidding goes up, and he says his bid, and it goes up, and he goes crazy high, and he still hangs in there, and he pays a ridiculous amount of money, even for a slave, to buy this woman uh, as a slave. And he pays the auctioneer for her, walks up from the stand, and says, woman, you're free. She's shocked. She said, free? She couldn't even understand the concept of free because she'd been in slavery all these years. And she said, what's that supposed to mean? I'm free. He said to her, well, woman, it means you're free. And he said, completely free. And she's still looking shell-shocked and doesn't understand what he means. He means she said, does it mean I can do whatever I want to do? He said, yes, you're free to do whatever you want to do. She said, does it mean I'm free to say whatever I want to say? He said, yes, you're free to say whatever you want to say. And then she says, does freedom mean I can go anywhere I want to go, anywhere I choose? He says, yes, you're free. You are free to go wherever you choose. You're free to say what you want, do what you want, go where you want. You are free. She starts to cry. She looks at him and she says, then I think I'll go with you. That's the kind of freedom and that's the kind of service we're talking about. Jesus comes to our lives and he sets us free. And when he set us free, what do we do with that? What do we do with the freedom he gives us? We could go anywhere, do anything, say anything we want. What do we do with that freedom? The answer is we turn back to him and say, then I'll go with you. That's how we access heaven here now. By serving him willingly like that. Once he's set us free. Restore, 
invest, we see, we focus our attention, we, we focus what goes into us on the right things, on godly things, because that's what brings goodness and light into the whole of our inside, into our whole being inside. And we serve willingly like that woman because we've been set free. That's how heaven here now comes to us now. Before I conclude, I just want to give a notice. Over the past few weeks, we've been speaking to us about being world changers and leaders, about being proper disciples. I want to announce something to you today. We want to give you an opportunity to really develop that side of your life, something to invest in, something to fix your attention on, something you can serve in and that can serve you. A bit like Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. We want to uh, tell you today that uh, just after Easter, we're starting a brand new leadership training program. Now, we already have one uh, program going. We call it Life Class. Hands up here if you've been on Life Class. How many people have come to us on Life Class? Life Class has been really excellent. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for all that you've put into that. We've really enjoyed doing Life Class. But what do you do after Life Class? Well, we've got a new class for you. It's called Master Class. Now, the first problem is we don't know how to say that word. Because we had a big argument about it, whether it's posh, like Southern Master Class, or whether it's not. No, we got one vote for that from somebody from Ascot, old chap. And we got lots of votes for Master Class. And then we got the. There's a few of you. If, where's the Northerners that think it's Master Class? Come on, let's. The, we better have some votes here. Come on, help me out. Here. Are you going to go in the middle with me? We said master class, so I'm trying to keep everybody happy. Or are you going to go southern with Ben and say master class? Or are you going to go northern with the rest of them and say master class? Okay, let's have a vote. Who's for master class? Oh, we've lost straight away, haven't we? Who, who's, for, who's southern with Ben and me? Master class. Oh, a few of us holding up the banner. Well done. Anybody in the middle of compromise and don't know what to do? Yes, master class, master class, okay. Well, whatever you call it, however you pronounce it, it's going to be called master class. Okay, well, the middle voices have it, apparently. I'm told by my daughter, who I obviously can't uh, contradict, it's going to be master class. MC for short. So, after Easter, we're going to give you the chance to invest in your heaven here now experience by being part of MC. And how that's going to operate, I'll just give you a little brief summary now and then later on um, uh, you'll get paperwork with all the detail on. But how that's going to work is this. We're going to run this this year for two terms and each term, there will be four um, courses running through Masterclass. 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 Anyway. <laughs> there will be four, four, different, four different areas of work and study in that. The first one will be what we call destiny training, which is uh, leadership training in things like family, life, and so on. The second part will be foundational training, which is getting a really good grounding in the Bible. What's in the Bible? Where does it come from? 
The third class will be history. And that's going to be um, the history of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, also church history, and actually modern history as well, how we come to be here sitting in this hall today. So that whole sense of church history is going to be there and the history of God's people in that third strand. And the fourth one is going to be practical skills for being a leader in God's kingdom and in the church. Now, what will happen is you can take one, two, three, or four of those classes according to... Did I say classes or classes? Well, whatever I said is, is one of the... It's, 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 the atmosphere is getting to me. That wasn't very classy of me to say classes. So everybody, the foundational course, the, the actual, the, the first course you'll have to take will be the destiny training modules or the destiny training ones. After that will be these other three uh, classes you can take. And uh, we will explain to you how you apply for those because there's a bit of a process in those. We want to make sure the right people get on the right courses. Now, of course, there's times of the week and all that. That will all be explained. If you can't do one, there'll be a chance to repeat it later on. We'll, we'll make this as accessible as we can for you, and we'll tell you all about the days it's going to operate on and how many hours of study that's going to be each term and so on. So the details will come out later, but I just want you to, to know that Masterclass, Masterclass, mas, something <laughs> called MC, however you pronounce it, is going to be available to us all after Easter, so that all the teaching and encouragement we've been giving you in these last uh, two or three months, you've got a channel to really invest in yourselves, as I've been talking about this morning, and really go forward in the things of God in our lives in the kingdom. Now, if you did life class, I trust you felt it was a blessing and good for you. Anybody enjoy life class? Well, it was, it was all right then. Anybody enjoy life class? It was great. Okay, uh, the eyes have it. So... Okay, so Sally needs me to make clear. The, the, the time is going to be like this. We're going to run this on a Friday evening and a Saturday morning. So it's going to run, uh, one, week, it's going to run one weekend in two every other weekend over a 10-week over a period. So it'll be five weekends of a Friday night and a Saturday morning. Now, I know that presents all kinds of work and challenge issues of children and babysitting. We will do our best to help you with all of that. But essentially, it will run... Friday night to Saturday morning, the next weekend there'll be nothing on, and then the weekend after will be Friday night to Saturday morning again, and so on. Sorry? Oh, yes. And there'll be one or two other things. We're going to meet you in that middle week for an hour's mentoring. Just a little group session with you to see how you're getting on with your work and so on. So, we can invest in the kingdom, in heaven here now, in our lives. That opportunity is going to be there. Anybody think they'd be interested in that? Good. Let's just go back to finish off our message from this morning then. What am I going to invest my life in? Am I going to eat the marshmallow now? Am I going to sell my shares in Coca-Cola now? Am I going to cash in my stock with Apple now? Or am I going to look to the future and invest in what Jesus is about for my life? 
to gain a reward that's far greater and that no one and nothing can ever take from me? Am I going to be $800 up now or $80 billion up in the future? Which way do I want my life to go? We said earlier that a decision at a moment in time can affect the whole of our lives from that moment onwards. This is your moment in time to do that. This is now when you're thinking about that in this atmosphere and focused on that. This is your opportunity to settle something inside yourself that will radically direct the whole of the course of your life after this moment. Am I going to invest in heaven here now? Or am I just going to walk away from it all and just live like everybody else? Am I going to sell my shares? Or am I really going to believe in who Jesus is and give him my all and my best? What if we just close our eyes a moment and just bow our heads in prayer? If you've never invested your life in Jesus, if you've never given your life to him, and you know you need to, this is that moment that can change your life. This is that moment that can change where you're going, now and in eternity. Anyone here today that wants to invest their life in Jesus for the first time, if you do, please raise your hand. We'll come and talk to you afterwards and pray with you and show you how to give your life to Jesus. just want to give this opportunity now before I move on to the rest. Is there anybody here who's never given their life to Jesus that wants to do that today? anyone here as well who wants to invest their life into Jesus and his kingdom and his heaven here now call on our lives by saying Lord I perhaps I've eaten the marshmallow a bit too quickly Lord I want to not live my life the same as everybody else not even the way I've been living it but I really want to invest in you I want to become that world changer you want me to become I want to store up something better for my life I want to do the very best for myself and the very best for you you want to either do that or reaffirm that with the Lord I want to invite you just to stand this morning now and say Lord I want to invest my life fully into you into your kingdom into your heaven here now atmosphere attitude and action I want to become that leader and that world change that you want me to be. Father, I thank you for this precious moment. I thank you now for the work you're doing in people's hearts. I thank you for the willingness to say, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to leave that marshmallow on the table. I'm going to leave that investment where it is. I'm going to keep trusting, keep believing, keep investing, keep pointing my nose towards the future.
because that's where you are, Lord. That's where your kingdom is. That's where eternal reward is. That's where reward in this life and in the next is really truly to be found. Father, I want to thank you for disciples and leaders. I want to thank you for awesome people who are standing up before you today. I want to thank you for great hearts, for great lives, for great decisions, for wonderful things you're going to do in and through those who've stood before you and said, Lord, I want to invest fully into you. Father, I pray your hand of blessing will be on each one now. I pray you'll seal something in our hearts in this moment through the Holy Spirit. That this will be a day that we mark in our lives to say, that day I stood up. And that day, I kept my investment with God. And I looked to the future. And God took me and used me. And I became that world changer that he wanted me to be. And I have my eternal reward in him. Father, thank you for your presence and your spirit and your help here with us in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.